Kia ora and welcome. You are listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast and I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us. This episode we're doing something a little bit different and we are speaking with a few different winemakers from regions around New Zealand about the 2020 harvest and how that's looking and how that's shaped up. And our first region is central Otago where we've spoken with winemakers Dave Sutton from Tecano, uh, Craig Gasson from Lamont Wines, Grant Taylor from Valley and Malcolm Rees Francis from Rockburn and also Phil Hanford, the MD at Grasshopper. So let's go have a chat with these people and see how 2020 in Central Otago is shaping up. So hi Dave. Hello Boris. Thanks for taking the time to give us a update on the 2020 harvest and, and how that went for you and, and how it's looking. Sure, no worries. Hmm. So when, when did you finish? So just for our listeners, we're sort of at the end of May. So when did you finish the harvest? Uh, we finished oh, We finished picking about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we finished winemaking about a week ago. We've got one Pinot Gris still fermenting, and that's our very last ferment. Okay. Yeah. And was that sort of a typ- typical time of the year for those things to to happen? Uh, Nothing was typical about (laughs) 2020. (laughs) It was as atypical as you can get. Right. So normally Pinot Gris is one of the first things off and this year Pinot Gris was the last thing off by a long way. Um, For whatever reason, Pinot Gris just ripened in a strange way this year. It was green for a long time and didn't accumulate sugar or flavour until well after the Pinot Noir. Right. And right. I would say in general, the vintage was longer. It was very drawn out. So we, we started picking kind of at the end of February and we picked right through into May. So it was a long harvest. Yep. And, ju- and just for our listeners, whereabouts are we talking for your vines, your vineyards? Uh, so we have vines in central Otago. So we... We're mainly in Bannockburn and Northburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have two Bannockburn vineyards which have their own characteristics. And then the Northburn vineyard, every single block has its own characteristics. So yeah, uh, it's quite interesting, like some of the some of the vines at Northburn, it was their first crop. So this is a chance for us to actually see, you know, how they performed during vintage and, and try and start to build up a bit of a feeling for what those wines are going to look like in the future. How did it look when you had it all in? Did you have quantity or was it a bit, bit down on quantity from? Uh, it was, it was very light. We, um, we, on some blocks we were almost 40% down, mm-hmm. others not so bad. So we, we had a very poor and uneven flowering period and that kind of, turned into poor and uneven fruit set in some blocks so so is flowering normally around december time is it november december or yeah yes it is and we had a lot of unsettled weather Um, we had some rainfall we had cold uh, and mainly we had wind it was very very windy Mm -hmm. and um, because those flowers never got pollinated they just never turned into a grape and so Mm -hmm. um, the, wind, the most wind-affected blocks had the lowest crop this year. Um, so, right. yeah, and I, I think that also contributed to the length of harvest. You know, flowering was very long, and so 
you know, flowering from start to finish was about a month. And so that has translated into that same result at the other end of the season. How are you um, feeling about the, the quality of what you, what you did get in? Oh, really good. Very, yeah. very good. It's, um, I think it's proof that viticulture on the edge makes the most interesting wines. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, for a lot of the season, it was very touch and go. It was very cold. It was, you know, we didn't really get summer until January, February. Uh, when normally, you know, we would have had a six weeks of really hot weather already. Um, and the, the wines just kind of sat there, or the grapes sat there for a long time, not really doing anything, not accumulating sugar. And it's translated through to wines with great concentration. So because the vines were not burdened by a huge crop, they really threw everything at the grapes that were on there. And yeah. With early insight into those wines, especially the whites, they're just very, very concentrated, very powerful and very aromatically expressive. So, um, at least if we didn't have the quantity, we've got the quality. Yeah, nice. Nice, okay. Yeah. And did that sort of remind you of any previous vintages? Yeah, I, I, to me it looked something like the 17 vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall that as being, you know, quite late. Um, you know, it was cool for quite a long period, right through until harvest, and then we got a kind of burst of heat, autumnal heat. And though we didn't quite get that same heat accumulation late this year, we did have that same long kind of drawn out season. And the 17, like 17 is one of my favorite vintages. So when I look, look at those wines, I'm excited that we might make something like that this year. Yeah, nice. When will people be able to see those wines available? Oh, well, uh, whites will be out, let's say September, October. Mm-hmm. Um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, we keep ours in barrel anywhere from eight months to 14 months. Yep. Um, so Pinot's, you're a long way off, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think this year we're, we've got more range of Chardonnays as well. We're going to produce a number of Chardonnays for the first time. Okay. And, uh, so we'll, we're going to let each of those wines have their own individual expression. So it could be that some of them are released earlier, for example, if they don't, um, if they don't benefit from the oak in the way that our previous Chardonnay has. So it's, I guess watch this space. Yeah, nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. And did you mention, I think, just before we started recording, you were doing, so you're doing the 2019 at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, so we we held back a few wines in barrel, Pinot Noirs, and um, just having a kind of a look at those, a final kind of touch-up blending session. So we're going to um, blend and bottle the, the very last of the 2019 Pinots um, in the coming weeks. Um, we don't really have a formula for how much time wines spend in oak. They just... If they taste good and keep tasting better every time, then we leave them in barrel. Um, so they've reached the point where they taste the best, and so out they come. Good, all yeah. right. Well, that, that, that's something that listeners can look forward to seeing available then. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the 18 has been a very strong performer for us. That was a, a riper vintage, very, I guess, central Otago, quintessential. And... Um, the 19s, I think, 
they they show a little bit more of the savory and the developed the 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 other side of central if you will you know mm -hmm. they've still got that fruit purity but they have a lot of really interesting complexity um so yeah 12 months from now they'll be tasting great yeah yeah oh exciting hey very good hey thanks dave we appreciate that uh quick little update for us on the 2020 harvest yep no worries at all good and we look forward to um you know seeing what comes out in the whites later this year and the reds maybe in another sort of 12 months time or so but in the meantime we can keep an eye out for those 2019s yeah the best place to try them is at our cellar door so if you're ever coming through you'll have to stop yeah. by and that's your that's your quite new cellar door isn't it it is yep so we've we couldn't have opened at a worse time um <laughs> basically just before lockdown but we've we're reopened now for private tasting and we should be, you know, fully open again in the next couple of weeks. So, oh, fantastic. Good to yeah, hear. Yeah, the build, building's amazing. It's um, just been shortlisted for a couple of architecture awards, and we're, oh. we're waiting to see how we go on that front. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, as it should. I had the pleasure of seeing it when it was still um, being built, and it was uh, certainly shaping up to be something remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty special. Nice. Cool. Fantastic. Hey, thanks, Dave. We appreciate that. No worries. Thank you, right. Boris. Cheers. Next up, we're speaking with the legendary Grant Taylor from Valley Wines. So, hi, Grant. Hello. Again. Nice to, nice to have you back on after a wee while. And, uh, yeah, just to get a little bit of a view from you as to the 2020 harvest and, and how it went and how it's looking across the, across the, the different vineyards that you're, um, you work with. Yeah, I guess, as, as you said before, you spoke to the guys in Alexandra and in the Cobble Basin. Uh, so I'll probably stay away from those regions a little bit. Although I think Malcolm might have the same story to tell that we had about both Bandyburn and Bendigo and probably the Greater Cobble Basin. Yeah, because of the timing of flowering, yields in the Cobble Basin were, were significantly down. You know, 50% 50, 50 wasn't uncommon. Uh, yeah. Whereas it seemed like flowering in both Gibston and the Waitaki, the cooler regions, was perhaps a week or two later, we didn't have the same issues. So we ended up with really good crop levels. Right. Uh, right. Okay. And I think the interesting thing, it was definitely a cool summer. You know, I, I believe if you look at growing degree days, we were less than 2017, but we were able to hang the fruit out quite a bit longer. There was, there was no pressure to pick. Uh, Weather-wise, right. yeah, and there's, really, there's good ripe flavours. We're, I think, going into harvest, we're nervous about a lot of things. To cool summer, and then for the then the fact, could we we were even allowed to pick the grapes and make wine? That was in our minds for a couple of days. So we got through both those things, and the wines are much better than we expected. We're quite excited by pretty much everything, really. Good, good. Well, that's good to hear. And so you you got through the sort of logistical challenges okay and maybe just sort of talking about uh waitaki then how did, you said there was a pretty good quantity there yeah usually waitaki more than any region i guess because it's by the coast and we get easterlies tends to suffer from poor flower set and it's cooler so the berries are smaller but we are solid solid yields i think the pinot for us were about two and a half ton a hectare and it's been down as low as one and as high as five but two and a half it works and the whites, both Pinot Gris and Riesling, were four and a half to five and a half. And I think for me, the whites were possibly the most exciting 
thing about the Waitaki, I've always focused on the Pinos, but a couple of years ago, I think New Zealand's first trophy overseas, the first and only trophy, the Pinot Gris came out of the Waitaki, and this sort of got me focusing on the Whites a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we're quite excited. I'm already looking for next harvest over there next year, because we, I know what we can do to make the fruit even better. Right, right, okay. And how old are those vines for you? Those They're getting up to about 12 or 13 years old now. Oh, okay, yep. Even yep. older, actually, maybe, maybe even older. And, and are you so, seeing that influence the crop? Maybe not as much as I've seen it influence it in other, pla- in other places of Central because the climate has been a bit more erratic. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to wait a couple more years of experience with that fruit and say uh, the things I'm seeing are because of vine age. I'm still not sure enough to say that with full confidence because you know, it could just be that vintage or the weather. So I need a little more time. Yeah. Okay. But all in all, a summary, good, good, good quantity there. And, and you're pretty pleased with the, with the quality as well. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's the story from the, the whole country. Yeah. You know, 2020 was, a, was a, an excellent vintage everywhere. Um, and I think it will be remembered uh, by the winemakers and, and the viticulturists probably because of the virus and, yeah. and the challenges that it brought. But as far as the public and the consumers, um, no, they, they won't see that side of it. They'll just see great wine. So that, that's good. And how about compared to maybe Bendigo? How was that? Yeah, but I said both our Bannigburn and Bendigo vineyards were down over 50%. Yeah. Uh, so the, the fruit was good and ripe. Uh, but yeah, just, just uh, low yield. So good wines, but economically a little bit harder this year for those regions. And that's, that's, it's usually the other way around. Usually we get bigger, more consistent yields out of the warmer common basin. 2020, it, 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 it let us down yield-wise. And I'm, I don't think I'll be the only winemaker to tell you that. So we love the wines, but it's going to cost a bit more to farm and make them this year. Yeah, and was that because of a, a couple of events? Yeah, um, it, was, it was just cool weather at flowering. Right. And that's you know, purely a matter of timing. Okay, and then how about in towards Gibston there? Yeah, so I was expecting a lighter yield in Gibson than we got. I think we'd be looking at the common basin wines and just kind of just assuming everything was going pretty light. We were five ton hectare in Gibson, which is it's pretty much spot on. As you might just touch over five ton a hectare. Right. Yeah. Um, and because it, it was no rain, no early frost, we were able to hang that fruit up for quite a long time. Uh, I think I was sort of banished from the winery a little bit because of the COVID-19 thing, you know, and Jen's very capable and her team are very capable of taking care of the wines in the winery. So yeah. I was in the vineyard making sure that side of it was taken care of. And I, I know Jen's favourite wine is, uh, is from Gibston. Right. Uh, I'm going to go in on Thursday, now that this is all behind us, and have a very serious taste through and have a look Good. at everything in more yeah, detail nice. than I have so far. Nice, okay. But the, the feedback you're getting um, on the sort of flavour profiles is, is pretty good. Yep. Cool. I mean, cool climate and high acids. Yeah, lo- lo- the flavour profiles and what I've seen as well, I'm loving high acid but i think because it was a cool summer but i think any wine at the moment should have high acid if it doesn't by the time it finishes malolactic it's going to be too flat so uh, i think that yeah, malo will take care of the high acids yeah and when will we see the um i suppose maybe just the whites from waitaki when will they be out will they be later this year or do you hold hold on to them for a little bit longer no we're, you know, we're trying to keep make nice good fresh wine so for us it's sort of stainless steel fermented and I think we already have, well, most of it is, we've got a bottling date of August. So they'll be able, first, 
well, they'll be bottled in. First, we've got 19 to sell. Um, and we don't know what challenge that's going to be. It could fly off the shelves with New Zealanders and Australians visiting us. I mean, export markets seem to have picked up or things could be quite slow. We're not quite sure yet, but they'll be bottled in August. And I'm guessing you'll see them sometime in the next 27 years. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the reds, what happens with those? Have they aged a little bit before? Yeah, definitely. I mean, always 11, 12 months in oak with the Pinots. Yep. and then used another 12 months in a bottle. And so, I think that's the good thing about our wine industry. Even if you don't sell wine, it doesn't get worse. Generally, it gets better. Yes. And it increase, increases in value. Yeah. Um, so we're quite relaxed about if you get a slow year, it's quite, as far as sales go, we just, we're pretty relaxed about it. Okay, so a cu- couple of years for people to wait for the, for the, the 2020 um, yep, reads true, yep. to be, be available. And uh, maybe, I mean, you mentioned you were you were heading in to have a little bit of a, a taste shortly. So you might not be able to answer this question, but, or, or you might've had some feedback on this is 2020. Is there, is there anything that it's reminding um, you of or, or the winemakers of as far as a previous vintage? Previous vintage? Maybe it's somewhere, maybe between 17 and 18. And they were, in a way they're opposite vintages. 17 was very cool, um, high acid, slightly green flavors. And 18 was, a sort of larger crop, but but you know, lovely, pretty wines, uh, not super concentrated. But I think this year seems to be a bit of bit of characters of both, but without without the unripeness. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying. We are trying to find a year exactly like it. No. So since we can't, and we're not successful at, we just make up things like it's somewhere between these two. And yeah, yeah, sure. At the moment, I think that's all we can say. Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, well, that, that's good. That all sounds um, that all sounds exciting and and also interesting to forward to. Certainly look forward to those those whites and interesting to hear that they're evolving evolving for you as well. Yeah, that was quite exciting. What I'm really looking forward to though is getting out into the rest of the country and tasting, you know, the Reds, Hawke's Bay, and what's happened in Marlborough. And I'm hearing stories from my friends up there. They're not sure whether it's better or better than 19, 2019 or not. Yeah, um, you know, which is a stunning finish for them as well. So they're, they're really excited. I'm quite looking forward to getting up over the next three or four months and seeing what they've done. Because after spending as much time as I did in Napa, I still love to look at Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Good, good. What, what have they told you? What have they told you? Um, I haven't. I haven't got into those. Um, I've actually started on Central, so I haven't got to the other regions yet. So I can't even okay. answer that question. Yeah. I'll be calling you for, for a report when you yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The podcast will be out in the next couple of weeks. Hey, that's great. Hey, thanks, Grant. I do, um, do appreciate that. Thanks for taking time out to have a chat. That's no, pleasure. Thanks for making contact again. No, that's good. It's, um, it's great. Yeah, go, go well and glad that you were able to work around everything, the challenges, and uh, get, get the harvest in. And we look, we look forward to, to what comes out of Bali. Yeah, they won't be disappointing. In fact, most, none of the wines from the region will be disappointing. Don't worry. Okay, take care. Cheers. Thanks, Grant. So, hi, Craig. Hi, Boris. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Very well. Thanks hi. for taking the time out to um, come and have a chat with us. No worries. Craig Gasson's with um, Lamont Wines. And maybe just describe a little bit about where your vines are. Uh, yep, so we're out of Bendigo, so the top of Lake Dunstan, um, looking north on the right-hand side, and there, 
vineyards first planted back in the 90s by Rudy Bauer, which is so Court 3 was our first vineyard out there. And we sort of planted early 2000s. Um, and I've planted a new vineyard up in the hills 2017. So we've got a mix of age of vines that we have um, out in Bendigo. And so how, how's it been? You've just, just recently finished, have you, the 2020 harvest? Yeah, so ours, is, ours drags out quite a bit. Even though we're a small producer, um, our, we've got some Chardonnay that comes from Wanaka. And we picked that on like May the 10th. So that's extremely late. May, picking fruit in May down here is absurd. But our Chardonnay is uh, the last thing that comes in. So yeah, and then, but the season's been cold and slow, long, obviously COVID affected. But still, uh, the good positives of it are low disease pressure. We got to ripening where we wanted to be. Really happy with sort of what we picked in the end. So yeah, it was good. And so any sort of challenges earlier on in the year? Yeah. Um, so start of season, so we, we're in the hills, so we avoid sort of most of the frost. So we've got like slope vineyards, so the cold air draining off. But spring was extremely cold. Um, the whole season, the growing degree days were uh, the lowest in oh, years. I'd have to look back at the sort of numbers and say like very low growing degree days, which is the, the measurement used to sort of measure heat accumulation or ripening ability of grapes and you know it's used for deciding on different regions what grapes are suitable so you know we're Pinot Noir country we were low for Pinot Noir country this year with growing degree days probably 20 percent if I need to check the stats but somewhere around 20 to 20 25 percent lower than normal wow uh, which is significant so the season started off very cold like spring was miserable you know, trying to get out on the sprayer and, and you know, we, like, we just use organic sprays, we do sulfur and a bit of copper. Just trying to get out on it in pristine conditions. You always want to do things in the best conditions and it was just impossible this year. So you're sort of doing it worrying whether or not you were getting enough spray coverage for disease prevention, all that sort of thing. Turns out we did. You learn a few things in years like this that maybe um, something just sweat about a lot don't matter so much. But the cooler temperatures... Um, right up till Christmas, it was just, it was bloody miserable. I'm only a skinny bugger and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the best of times, you know, I'm still wearing a jumper when people are wearing t-shirts, but yeah. um, oh, it was cold and it was not pleasant. It was windy. It was just, you know, not nice being outdoors all the time, even yeah. though it's a beautiful environment. Um, and that affected, so that cold affected flowering, made it protracted. And it um, also being cold had two effects. It had um, affect the um, percentage of flowers that turn into berries. So that affects yield. And then the protracted nature of flowering. So the time it took to get from start of flowering to end of flowering was long. So then that ended up in being sort of like a little bit of variability in the fruit and really small bunches and loose bunches too. So on a disease side of Point of view there was absolutely not a spot of botrytis anywhere in any of the fruit which is amazing i mean we always aim for that anyway so and that's clean just out. because sparser fruit so that air, air circulates yeah, through and, yeah more air circulation yeah less compaction so when you have amazing flowering and all the flowers turn into berries then you get really tight bunches and in those tight bunches when they squeeze each other then a berry might pop and then juice comes out and that's botrytis country so um yeah, that didn't happen this year. We didn't. I mean, we never do spray botrytis sprays anyway. But I'd imagine they would have been um, low, low requirement around Bendigo, particularly speaking for Bendigo this season. So, and then then came to picking. You had quite a long picking. Well, we rolled rolled into Christmas, and then it, things started to warm up again. And we sort of, you know, I've been out in Bendigo since two thousand and one, and 
I remember back in the day, we used to sort of get cracked 40 degrees sometimes. You're amazing. You know, and we'd have weeks of over 30s and that. I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I'd be bloody surprised how many days over 30 degrees it would be, you know, under five. And normally would have, you know, would have had others. So, yeah, it was just a very mild summer down here. Nice days. You know, once, uh, once we had the new year, we had nice days, but not that real heat that we normally get which we don't always want but we would have liked to have had a bit of a charge up pre-christmas with a bit of heat anyway so you know my young vines my new vineyard you know the growth in that was slow uh it was really slow and even now out pruning it now you look at it and you go you didn't sort of maximize the sort of length of canes you would have liked to yeah so effect on growth of vines of the young vines but on the older vines um, lower or slower growth isn't a bad thing it sort of reduces vigor a wee bit so um and that's good for disease prevention as well and less trimming in the vineyard that sort of thing you know if you have a really hot season pumping on water and your know, vines are growing like crazy then you actually have a lot of dense canopies and then a lot of trimming a lot of leaf plucking you know like i didn't leaf pluck this year oh you know that's a lie we did the pinot gris we leaf plucked the pinot gris the pinot noir was beautifully beautifully grown as far as leaf density around bunches and you know saying before the sparsity of bunches so it was kind of ultimate setup it just would have been nice to get a bit more yield out of it the yield was the yield in the pinot coming up to picking we were probably about 65 percent normal or average yield but the pinot gris was fine oh, and okay. i forgot to mention we, we had a hailstorm in spring too i've got oh. to send you a video of that um <laughs> a massive intense hailstorm coming through and i was like bloody hell you know i thought we say you get rid of 2020, the end of 2019 was pretty rough too. Right, right, okay, okay. Yeah, and then you, and so you got through to, got through to the pick and um, yep. was it quite a long sort of picking phase for you? Uh, no, ours is pretty short and sweet for us because right. we sort of only, you know, have, you know, we're only a small producer, so a lot of our fruit will come off in one or two goes. So, you know, a couple right. of picks of Pinot Gris and a couple of picks of Pinot and job done, really. So that was, right. it was quite short and sweet. It was uh, more with the COVID factor and having, you know, using specialised gangs who were sort of totally versed in the protocols of all the um, protocols that were put in place by um, MPI and all that sort of stuff. So we yeah. really had to make sure they were followed. But that made Harvest less fun. You know, we sort of, there wasn't as much fun doing it. Sort of believing the vibe of things being quite uplifted and, and fun so the fun yeah. factor was certainly out and um, there were no bears in the shed after harvest no and it was it was very much no one go near anyone else stick to this protocol very regimental but that may meant that it took a lot longer to pick mm. uh, and it cost a lot more too like the, mm. the cost of picking a ton was pretty horrendous this year yeah but it had to be yeah. done and i'm not yep. complaining we were lucky about a pick yeah, no, yeah, good, good to be able to get it in for sure. And so, how's it looking? What, what's your thoughts on on what you've got? I've always someone said to me a few years back, and I and I now believe it and will repeat what they said. I'd always assess a vintage when it's bottled, and about six months after it's being in bottle, you can sort of you can put on the bullshit marketing hat, and you know, uh, say it's the vintage of the century. <laughs> it's we we always have different vintages down here. It's the thing about being. In Central Otago, there's no vintage is the same. It never is the same. There's, you know, you go through your wines, vintage variation exists in Central Otago. It may not, you know, and I mean, it does even, I was, I was going to say it doesn't in the Barossa. That's actually not true. It does. I mean, they've had a cool um, year and then they've had a dry year and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, when, we're never the same. And this is another year of, it's again a, a unique vintage. The wines are bright and fresh. 
So, you know, we, we sort of, when I think back to textbooks at uni and the sugars go, acids drop, it doesn't always happen like that. We've got still hit, you know, relatively good BRICS levels for sugar, you know, for conversion to alcohol, but our acids are still quite high. So yeah. the wines will either be, they'll be fresh and bright and potentially well long, you know, well long lived, that slow ripening, that sort of that tannin polymerization, those sorts of things. They actually have a potential to actually shine, but they're not going to be like a 2018. 2018 was a big, warm season, and that gives off a different character, and this won't be like a 2018. Okay. But so I suppose what I'm getting to is, in, in short, is I might be avoiding the answer is, what's 2020 vintage like? Ask me in a year's time. Yeah. But you're, yeah. you're happy with what you've got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Clean yeah. fruit, flavour, and something to work with, definitely. Yeah. No, always happy with that. Yep. Good. Okay. And so what, what happens from here for you? Is it bottling later in the year for the, some, the white, the Chardonnay? And yes. So Chardonnay's in barrel fermenting. Pinot Gris is in barrel and we'll be finishing fermenting soon. And then we'll just sit in barrel and have a bit of leaf stirring, that sort of stuff. Just a little bit for that portion of it. Pinot's gone to barrel, Riesling to be done sitting in tank. So yeah, we're not doing a rosé this year. Um, I sort of decided with what was happening with COVID and the way the season was going, there'll be a truckload of rosé on the market next year. So I thought, well, I sort of, mine's at a little bit of a premium price point. So I thought, oh, it might not be the best year for doing a rosé. So I've just not done a rosé this um, for 2020 vintage. Right, okay. So so when when do you release the whites? When would they be available in market? Oh, Pinot Gris, depending, well, release dates will be changed now because the market has changed massively. But normally yep. we'll release, you know, a 20... Our 20 um, or our vintage whites will be released pretty much a year after harvest. So they'll, what we'll do is we'll get them in a bottle later part of the year. So maybe November, December for Pinot Gris and that. So Chardonnay won't be, but Pinot Gris and that sort of stuff. And then I like to leave them in a bottle for a wee while, maybe three to six months. But they'll, they'll come onto the market depending how well the previous vintage is sold. But normally we roll vintage, you know, within three months of a year of its picking date. Yeah. So 15 yeah. months after harvest, we'd probably have it on the market. Those ones, Chardonnays, probably a little bit longer than that. And then the Pinots are always, you know, they, they get bottled. They'll get bottled in March. So a year after picking, they'll get bottled. And then normally I leave them in bottle for a year. And then, yeah. so I try and see my vintages going that way. So at least I've got a year in bottle. Um, so yeah. I don't just look. So at the moment, you've got 2018 available? Yeah, 2018. So yeah, 2018 is the current release, and 2019 is currently sitting in the cellar and uh, the warehouse, just um, ticking away and you yeah. know, sitting in the waiting for its time. So yeah. 2018, yeah, we're um, selling through that pretty well, but we'll see what changes. I mean, it's sort of the market's changed massively right now. So we're a, we're a massive on-premise label, and you know, not so big in the retail. So you know, we've had to we've seen a massive slowdown in sales. So we're going to see what comes out of this on the other side. So yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. And just out of interest, what was, what was the varietal you planted? Did you say to the latest one, 2017? Oh, so my new, my, my new vineyard. So that was planted sort of just over two years ago. So that's Pinot Noir, Pinot Green, Chardonnay, but that's sort yeah. of high elevation site. So that's the thing about Bendigo that's quite different is we've got like very massive variations in terroir from along the, the sort of the north face of, of um, Bendigo. So there's the terraces, the, the terraces on Loop Road, which are sort of, you know, about, 100 meters or some of them are 200 meters below the back fence of my top block 
So we have massive variance. So there's differences in picking dates in Bendigo anyway. From you know, even in a, in a standard year, we'll have variation through Bendigo, which is what I think is unique. It's uniqueness actually is that Bendigo's people quite often taste. I've seen people taste a glass of Bendigo Pinot and go, "That's Bendigo," and I'm not really convinced that's true because we've got vineyards on different elevations, and those elevations have an effect on ripening. Like my neighbour up where I am, their vineyards are a year older than my young vineyard. I mean, they were picking in May, and yet down on the flats, they were picking two weeks earlier than that. So that's that's quite a huge difference. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks for that that quick update. Appreciate that, Craig. No worries. Glad, of course, that you're able to to get it in. And yeah, we look forward to um, seeing how it shapes up over the next year and and two years. Yeah, you know, interesting times for everyone, I think, at the Mm. moment. So yeah, we'll see how it all drops out. All right. Cheers, Craig. All right. Thanks, Boris. That was Craig Gasson from Lamont Wines. And next up, we had Phil Hanford from Grasshopper. So hi, Phil. Yeah, Boris. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us a bit of an update for this year, 2020, and, and what's been happening. So how's it been in this unusual harvest? Yeah, oh, it's been, I guess, unusual on a couple of fronts, apart from the, um, you know, harvesting challenge with staff. It, it was, like, from our point of view in Central Otago, especially in Alexandra, we had a sort of a, one of our smallest harvests we've had, oh, probably in our whole time we've been growing grapes, actually, just because of the uh, really cold December. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a good, a good, um, you know, start of the season and spring, sort of like September, October, November. And then we had this sort of change in weather patterns and we got a bit of a hailstorm for us, which is unusual on about the 16th of November. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually a hailstorm for us, you know, we might get small hail. This time we actually had some decent size hail and, Damaged a few of the little florets, you know, so the so the back of the um, florets they've got some of the sort of potential flowers knocked off. Right. Parts of the, yeah. So it was quite an isolated hailstorm, but it did hit us. Yeah. And and then we had a really cold sort of a you know December was quite unusual. In fact, this, this December was the was colder than November. The average temperatures in December were lower than November, which is I mean, we've never, never ever seen that before. Right. So it was really one out of the blue. Yeah. But, but it did impact on our flowering and fruit set. Yeah. So, yeah, we had, we ended up with uh, less, I guess, less berries set on the bunches. So we had smaller, smaller um, berries as well. So we had a, quite a lot a smaller crop, just with average berry size, average bunch sizes, and also sort of number of bunches were a bit lower. So. Yeah, this is the first year for a long, long time that we haven't done any any fruit fruit thinning. So we usually, you know, manage our crop so it's it's uh, it's not overloaded or not overcrowded in parts of the vineyard. So this year we didn't uh, do any thinning. We wanted every every bunch of grapes we could get this year. Right. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, but it was. I mean, apart from that, you know, that was in December, which is I guess always our most critical time for flowering. Mm. But from then on, it was, you know, we had a bit of rain in uh, sort of December, January, but otherwise it was, you know, it was good ripening weather and we came into April, which, uh, so, you know, we had a good March, good ripening, and then April's always, I guess, the, you know, harvest month and then we start to get nearer to frosts. But we, um, we had a really good run in early April, a lovely ripening. 
you know, I think following on from the December flowering, our, our ripening this year was quite spread out. And so we, uh, we picked over oh, probably about 10 days, which is, you know, we would normally just go sort of pick five or seven days in one big, you know, just one, one day after the others. We worked through different parts of the vineyard. But, but this year we had, we sort of started on, on part of the vineyard and had actually leave the rest of it for um, a few more days just to get a bit more flavour in the grapes. Right. And pick. But, I mean, it was the good thing was, though, that, you know, we got the bunches were smaller, you know, nice sort of open bunches and good ripening and really good flavours right through the, you know, the vineyard. So we, we just picked basically on, on flavours at that stage. And, you know, we didn't, I think we finished picking on the 28th of April, which is, you know, one of the later ones we've, we've had for a few years. Yeah. And, uh, but that was just about getting, you know, good flavour in the fruit and uh yeah nice clean fruit so yeah well i mean we're really pleased the way it's you know look, looking and tasting and things in the winery now so it's i mean it's yeah i guess we're blessed with that sort of site we get you know good ripeness year after year and you know get that sort of variation just depending on how the season is in terms of what the flavor profiles are but it's um yeah nice ripe fruit it's yeah really pleased with yeah, but say so not not quite as many, not quite as much as we would like. No, so like lower lower quantity but good quality. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Yeah, it'd be nice to have the same quality but more quantity. But yeah, we've got to live with that, don't we? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And and are you seeing sort of or maybe it's a little bit early to tell sort of any um, change sort of year to year as the vines get a bit older or? Yeah, I think we're definitely getting more consistency in terms of our um, you know complexity in the flavor profiles mm-hmm. and sort of you know sort of I guess overall balance through the through the vineyard yeah I mean yeah things have perhaps been ripening a little bit earlier although that's not not true this year the season still overrides just you know the vine age but yeah mm-hmm. I think for consistency in terms of that balance and complexity in the fruit you know I think that's another thing we see with age yeah okay Cool, and so it's all, all looking good in the um, in the winery at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we're all um, no. It's just you know, the, I guess the, the big thing is uh, yeah, the, the fruit that went in there is, is um, we're really happy with it, and it's yeah, it'll it'll um, come through well. I haven't I haven't um, you know had a look at it since harvest, but uh, yeah, hopefully it's all it's all good. The reports are all good. Yeah, yeah. with the twenty nine with the you know twenty twenty fruit. So and, and the you know the way it's looking at the in the winery so yeah. yeah oh nice nice and what's what's the usual timing for you with release when oh so you... yeah we would normally i mean because of the way things are i think we'll be probably this probably won't come out for um whatever we'll have a year in barrel and i'd say we have a good 18 months in bottles probably right so, okay you know, probably two and a half years right before we, before this sees the, before this hits the road yeah yeah, yeah. so so later in 2022 maybe yeah yeah that'll be right yeah yeah okay it's where we're selling that 2017 now so yeah we've still got to work through you know a couple of vintages but that's all and does it um immediately does it it, has it made you think of a a previous vintage that a flavor profile or i think for us this is probably most like the 2007 okay which, which was um yeah i guess it was a small you know we we cropped even uh, smaller bunches in 2007. That was only our second vintage, but yeah, it's probably yeah, it's one of those sort of small vintages, early sort of a 
not small venice smaller smaller bunches and berries so a bit more intensely yeah yeah i mean yeah even uh possibly a little bit 2017 but yeah certainly one of those cooler years so in terms of those flavor profiles yeah good Oh, well, that's great. Hey, thanks, Phil. Appreciate you um, giving us a quick um, snapshot of how it's how it's looked for this year. Yeah, that's good. Early days, but we're pretty pleased the way it looks now. Yeah, yeah. And the 2017's around if, if people want that, and then they just have to be patient for the 2020. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the 2020 might be a bit like the 2017. Pretty yeah. good. Cool. All right. Thanks, Phil. That's good. Thanks, Boris. And to finish up, we have Malcolm Rees Francis from Rockburn Wines. Uh, so we, we got off to a, to a decent start in the spring, but then we had a fairly cool and damp period through flowering in, in early December, which is obviously quite a critical point, and that affects fruit set um, for the rest of the season. So we had some really variable um, uh, flowering in early December, so that meant that you'd have, you know, significantly advanced in and sluggish berries within the same bunch um, and then for the rest of the season we just managed to always just lag behind the the, the average temperature on any given day um, and you look at the graph of um, you know the the 2020 season versus the long-term average and let alone any other season and it's it's a it's a very um, low line compared with everything else and normally where you see things sort of pick up towards the end and you can you can achieve some ripeness quite happily the line dipped down again we had quite a cool um april so yeah there were serious worries that we weren't going to to ripen fruit successfully but the the reduced crop load um and i would imagine older vines on average around the region um meant that the vines could could cope Quite happily through through um, through vintage and actually achieve ripeness and flavours for us. Um, flavours did really seem to lag behind sugar ripeness this year. That was probably the biggest um, thing that I saw that the the weather um, provided that effect. So I was I was waiting and waiting for for the fruit to actually taste good while sugars were accumulating. By the time they actually tasted you know like stuff I wanted to pick, the sugars were were relatively high. So that was that was an effect of that that variable set. I think more than anything else. And so yeah, last our last gree just came in yesterday, so that was the last last pressing of white that we did. So it's been it's been a pretty long season for us, given that we started picking when was that? On the thirtieth of March. So yeah. Right, okay. And we're sitting on yeah. the, just for for listeners, well, we're sitting on the eighth of May now. So okay, that that that's quite long. Yeah. How how long would you normally? How many weeks would you normally spend on? Um, to to be fair, six six weeks is a, a good sort of benchmark to work from. But that's right. you know because at Rockburn we've got our two sites, and Gibson is significantly later than than our Parkburn vineyard. So what we tend to do here is basically two vintages back to back. We've, we've picked one vineyard, it's in, it's done, and then we, you know, start pressing off red ferments and stuff from there and then start picking in, in Gibston. So we start all over again. This one's been a little bit more dragged out because of the nature of the weather and the other things that have impacted the world. So um, the, the the biggest thing we've obviously dealt with this vintage has been the COVID-19 situation. And, you know, yeah. obviously, luckily, we've all been able to, to carry on with vintage and, and picking and processing and, and making wine. 
other other countries um, haven't been quite so lucky from what I've heard um, no. in the southern hemisphere. So yeah, we've 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 been allowed to do that, but we've had to make some economic decisions in the process um, in anticipation of the economy turning down quite drastically over the next year or two or three or four or however long it takes to to return to some kind of semblance of normality. So we've processed half the volume that we normally would or that we were expecting to. We we um, tore up a couple of contracts and walked away from, from some of that contract fruit and focused more on, you know, Rockburn, Rockburn sites and, you know, the, the core sort of products. So yeah. there's been some, yeah, economic decisions around that. But like yeah. I say, we've, we've done about half what we normally would. So 225 tonne we've processed through here. Right. And, so, and what varietals are we talking? We're talking Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, a little bit of Riesling and some Savvy. Uh, and that's that's basically that's basically it. We didn't take any Chardonnay this year. We were supposed to, but we, we walked away from that. We obviously make Rosé out of the, the Pinot Noir. And yeah, so it's been quite, quite simple and straightforward, really. Reduced volume means we didn't have to use all of our tanks. So I've got a you know, more choices about um, how I ferment things and where things go. Yeah, and not using nearly as many barrels as we thought we were going to be. So a lot of empty barrels sitting around um, and a lot less time and, and pressing stuff off. The Devil's Staircase Pinot doesn't go to barrel. It stays in tank. So that's a very simple process when we go to, to press a, a Pinot ferment and just pump it into a tank and, and leave it there. We've pressed off six ferments so far for Rockburn so they're in barrel and we're only going to do another couple more and that's going to be it in terms of of the Rockburn production and and barreling down and and that sort of process so yeah it's it's been it's been a different a different vintage for us. And how's it looking? Our, Our season in Central Otago was quite different to the rest of the country it's been very cool on average certainly cooler than the 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 long-term average and some pretty critical points of the season to to the extent that we had a really rubbish flowering and fruit set and then some you know really cool weather at, at critical sort of ripening points but despite that we did get very nicely ripe fruit that reduced crop load meant that the vines were were able to perform well up to capacity so ripeness was not the issue that I thought it was going to be we had a lot of variable fruit set in the vineyard so there were some very advanced berries and and very sluggish berries within the same bunches so you have to err on the side of ripeness for that but and I was worried we weren't going to make it especially in in Gibston which is significantly cooler and later than than the rest of you know Cromwell Basin anyway so whether that was going to get over the line was was a worry but in the end the Pinot Noir got there quite happily and really tasty fruit out of there. Gris struggled a little bit to get up to the mark we've we've got very very close to it so we're we're not too far off with Gris but yeah Pinot Pinot is easily easily got over the line in terms of, of physiological and, and and sugar ripeness so yeah, turned out much better than I thought it would. Really worried we were just going to be getting green stuff and having to add boatloads of sugar or something in order to to create a wine that was going to be worth drinking out the other end. But that's mm. that's not the case at all. And similarities to any previous year at the moment that you can think well, of? Or? Not, no, quite <laughs> no, unique. Not especially, yeah. more like sort of 2005 or 2017 in terms of weather and, and fruit set and stuff like that, but but not radically identical to, to anything that we've actually seen before. So 
yeah, another another sort of new set of challenges. So, you know, these these things always keep us on our toes and we can't just sort of say, oh, okay, I've seen all this before. I know exactly what to do. So you have to yes. sort of mix and match yes. uh, protocols and, and responses a little bit. And so the Gibson Pinot, you've only just, that was the last to come in, was it? Uh, the Gris, Gibson Gris was the last to come in. Yeah. Um, Gibson Pinot, we started picking that oh, about 10 days ago. And uh, yeah, like I say, it looks really good. It's Those ferments are all just about dry now. Gris yielded very well, considering. And then we got significantly more juice out of the berries than I've, I've ever seen before, which is an interesting technical point. It doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but I've never seen quite so much juice come out of a Pinot Gris bunch before. So we've got plenty of that, and we're just inoculating those tanks of, of juice today, just as I've sort of rationalised some volume. So, yeah, they'll be they'll ferment for another ooh, two weeks, probably, uh, depending on how happy they are. The rosé tanks are all progressing really nicely, Pinot ferments, like I say, they're almost all done. Um, so just a little bit more time on skins for those those Gibson ferments, and we'll we'll be digging and pressing next week steadily as we work our way through the the park burn component as well. Okay, so it sounds like, given how you thought it might go, you're relatively pleased with what the outcome has been. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fruit quality was was significantly higher than than I was anticipating, and you know reduced yields meant we've got got plenty of space to to be able to to accommodate everything happily. So yeah, um, overall ended up being much happier than, <laughs> than I was worried I was going to be anyway. Yeah, good. Well, that's good to hear. Thanks, Malcolm. I appreciate that. No problem. Glad Pleasure. to hear all, all in all, it's been all right, and yeah, certainly all the best for the the challenges with the year <laughs> and, and, the, and the market. Yeah. Seeing how exactly. it goes, I'm cautiously optimistic that people will still be still be buying wine. And um, that's right. But, yeah, but obviously, certainly in the export sector, it's hard to pick. Yeah, it, it is, and we're we're really just crossing our fingers that Australia can can um, get its act together, and if we can open up that market again, we'll be okay. I mean, Rockburn sells the bulk of its wine in Auckland and Australia, basically. So. Between those two economies, if, if those can perk up, people can go out to dinner and buy wine in a shop. We should be able to see a, a reasonable return to to some some success uh, economically, anyway. So that's what we're we're just waiting to see. Yeah, very good. Oh well, all the best, Malcolm, and thanks again for your time. And um, we'll we'll check in later on. Brilliant. Let's Sounds see how good. This year rolls out. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Fingers <laughs> crossed. Awesome. Hey, hey, thanks, Malcolm. Appreciate that. Thank you. Cheers, Boris. Bye for now. Bye. We've been speaking with a selection of wineries in central Otago of New Zealand to find out how the 2020 harvest is looking. If you'd like to find out more about any of those wineries, just check out our notes and we'll have the website addresses for each of them. And keep looking out for our next update around some of the other regions here in New Zealand. Um, We appreciate your company and we look forward to you joining us again very shortly. Thanks for joining us. Hey, kono mai. Bye for now.